the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I can't say that I've been much of anything most of my life. It's sort of like somewhere along the way I I checked out. And it's not like I had big dreams to begin with, but I had, I had something once, something close to faith or hope or whatever, whatever word you want to use for how good life could be. But then the years... They start moving quicker and all of a sudden what's going good out there for everybody else isn't isn't going so good for you. But tonight I feel um, embarrassed. I've had my chances more than most. I've grown up in a country where if I decided to do more with my life than just drift and drink, that I could be standing where or maybe you stand tonight. Instead, I've taken freely and I've given nothing. I'm ashamed in front of my daughter and my country. I've never served or sacrificed. The only heavy lifting I have ever been asked is simple stuff like, you know, um, pay attention, vote. If America has a, well, if America has a true enemy tonight, I guess it's me. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Start out with that clip from the movie Swing Vote, because I think this is a pertinent place for everybody to listen to that clip and say, is that me? Am I going to get off my butt? on Tuesday and go vote because, you know, and we use the pride in the name of love. I'm saying pride in the name of California. Get off your butt Tuesday and go vote because uh, the only the only, th- only thing we have to, the only thing that we need for uh, evil to take over this state like it is is for good people, Republicans, to do nothing. And that's Tuesday is your time. Hey, uh, we're going to talk about that, and I've got the hardest working man in politics on the line that's going to come on. But first, before I do that, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing and you hear someone on the radio that sounds like they think like you, Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're stealing time from your boss and you don't want your neighbors at the office to hear your stuff, go to wccloans.com. Click on the Loan Center, click on Apply Now, give me as much information as you want me to have, and uh, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from me or one of my talented teammates. Uh, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, you can hear the show uh, on podcast on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. That's E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N 
podcast.net. Uh, click on podcast, or you can get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can actually uh, subscribe for free, have it download to your iPhone, your iWatch, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your iPad, your uh, whatever you listen to podcasts on, and hear it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long, and the Facebook uh, for the Facebook for the show is facebook.com slash the main event. Ed Hoffman. So before we bring on the hardest working man in politics, I'll also tell, uh, also let you know that I've got my sidekick, uh, Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes in the house. Yo, Ed, it's good to be here. And, uh, and right now we've got on the line our, hopefully our next, our next governor of California, Mr. Travis Allen. Travis, welcome back to the main event. Guys, thanks so much for having me on. So, uh, so you know, we're fight, we're fighting to the finish in this primary race. Uh, for California governor, he uh, we need to be to beat out Democrat Antonio Villaraigosa and Rhino uh, Republican John Cox on Tuesday in order to face off against Lieutenant Governor uh, Gavin Newsom uh, and beat him in November. I don't, I personally don't think Cox has a chance. Even if even if he got second, he can't beat Newsom because he's basically uh, a wet rag. He's nothing. He's nothing. And uh, we need Trump in California. And I see Travis Allen as Trump in California. Um, so I've been telling my audience not to trust anything in the media polls. You may see Newsom and Villaraigosa leading in some of the polls of the big polls. But Facebook straw polls, Google Trends show uh, you may actually be in second place behind Gavin Newsom. Travis, your thoughts? I'll tell you, you're exactly right, brother. And the reason is very simple. Look, this guy, John Cox, is just another empty suit. You know, he's the same guy that was Meg Whitman, Neil Kashkari, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, you know, he's from Chicago, lost every race he's ever run, ran for president, U.S. Senate, U.S. Congress twice, even county clerk recorder in his home state of Illinois lost every single time. The whole thinking was, you know, the Republican establishment, he's got some money. But, you know, in his latest campaign reports, he's broke. He's $277,000 in debt. And keep in mind, this guy was a never-Trumper. He didn't vote for Donald Trump. He voted for Gary Johnson, who believes in open borders, legalized drugs, legalized prostitution. And, yes, he's pro-choice as well. So, I mean, look, there's only one conservative in this race. You know, I was born in California. I was raised in California. I watched my whole family leave. My parents are now in Oregon because it was too expensive to build a home on the coast. So they built it in Oregon. My brother works for Raytheon. Those jobs used to be in L.A. Now they're in Tucson, Arizona. So that's where he is with his family. Best friend moved to Texas, double the size of his house, double the size of his business, pays no state income tax. And I'm a money manager. I'm an investment advisor by trade. Started managing money in 96, opened my company in 01, still work every single day because I think your legislators should be in a part-time legislature. They should not be full-time employees of the state. They should have to work for a living. My clients all started out in California. They're now in 22 different states around the nation. I got elected in 2012 because I was sick and tired of what the Democrats have done to our state. They're taking away our rights, our freedoms. They're opening up our borders. They're taking away our Second Amendment rights. It's, it's just abysmal what they've done. And they're taking our money at the same time. So I have fought every single day for the last six years. I'm known as the most conservative guy in Sacramento because I'm the guy that fights when nobody else will. And finally, I said, look, you know I'm the original author of the repeal of the gas tax, but that is not enough. We've got to stop these California Democrats before Gavin Newsom tries to get his hands on the rest of California. He's already ruined San Francisco with their maps of human waste and, you know, 22,000 intravenous drug users on their streets. We can't let him wreck California. We need real Californians to stand up and fight and win 
And I'll tell you right now, there's only one person in this race that voted for Trump, supported Trump, even wrote op-eds in favor of the Republican nominee for President Donald Trump. There's only one guy with a rock-solid conservative vote record and one guy that has won every single race he has ever run, and that's me, Travis Allen. So let's get out there and fight, and let's go take back California. Well, you know, what you said is true as far as, you know, you supported Trump. And this, this is something I wanted to address with you is that um, you, did, you did vote for Trump. Cox did not, and yet Trump endorsed Cox. What's your response to that? To me, that makes no sense. Maybe Trump doesn't understand California politics. But how do you respond to that? Look, it makes no sense until you start to understand what the political establishment does. There is a reason it's called the swamp. And, you know, one of the biggest swamp creatures is Kevin McCarthy. You know, Kevin McCarthy is a California congressman. He is running to be the next Speaker of the House. And, and by the way, look, I hope he gets it. Uh, the problem is, is that none of these establishment types will ever try to support a conservative for governor of California. They don't think that anybody can win other than a Democrat. So they have already sold us out. And what Kevin McCarthy very clearly told Donald Trump was, look, he wants to be speaker and he wants to try to deliver Congress for Trump, which is which is all well and good. But he says the only person that can get through is John Cox because he has money. So he told Trump, look, you got to support this never Trumper. And Trump says to him, well, you know, why would I want to support this guy? I like this Travis Allen guy. You know, he's got fire and he's all for me. And Kevin says, look, you know, if you want to take Congress, we got to make sure we at least get into the top two. And, and Trump says, well, look, I got to get Congress, so fine, I'll give you my endorsement. And th- I believe that that is as far as his thought process went, because this is the Republican establishment, once again, selling out California Republicans. They sold us out with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was a conservative for all of about one year, and then he turned into a Democrat. They sold us out with Meg Whitman because they sh- thought she had money. And she proved that it doesn't matter how much money you got in California, you cannot win unless you're you know, a, a real rock-solid conservative. Neil Kashkari was the next guy they gave us. This guy thought it was a great idea to sleep homeless for a week in Fresno. And, and that was all we saw. He performed worse than you ever could have imagined California. I will tell you that it's the establishment that continues to sell out the grassroots real Republicans in California. Everybody that's listening to your show is sick and tired of the Mitch McConnells, the Paul Ryans of the world, the John Boehners of the world selling us down the river. We don't need another McCain in California. What we need is another Ronald Reagan, and that's exactly what Travis Allen is. That's how, that's how I feel as well, and I feel like uh, I feel like Trump's just saying let's, he's just uh, endorsing whoever he thinks because if you look at at your style and Trump's style – we need we need you in the governor's mansion because we need someone who's strong enough to make changes in the state or we might as well just flush it down the toilet and I'm moving to Arizona. That's right. That's right. Look, you know, so there was a big debate about two weeks ago on NBC. It was televised statewide and it was me against all the other governor cats. Everybody was there. And, you know, I asked a very simple question, which kind of became the quote of the night. And then everybody said I won the debate after that. Every online poll had me at 80 percent or more winning that debate. And it was because I asked a very simple question, which is, if you can't trust Gavin Newsom with his best friend's wife, how can you trust him with your state? Right. And this is the sort of truth that California's got to hear. People got to hear it straight. They got to hear it hard. They got to hear the truth. They got to know that there's somebody there that is willing to actually fight for us, the little guys in California, the forgotten silent supermajority that can tell the kind of truth that we need to hear, have the solutions that we need to implement. I mean, look, I got a five point plan for California. Very simple. Cut taxes, starting with repeal of gas tax. Then we cut all the rest of the taxes and make California open for business again. So cut taxes, get tough on crime, fix our roads, expand our freeways with no new tax dollars, 
fix our broken education system and get rid of that statewide mandated common core and leftist propaganda in our schools and then finally complete the California State Water Project so we store our water when it rains. I mean, I'm the only candidate in the race that even actually has a plan. This is what we need in California. There are very simple solutions. We just need someone with the strength to take this state back and implement those solutions. Do you do you have a uh, do you have a a feeling on the low? I mean, low information voters are looking at the stuff they're getting in the mail, and half the half the stuff says John Cox, and half it says Travis Allen. And I'm just throwing out the stuff that says John Cox. Hey, these people don't care about they, these aren't these aren't even people that actually pay attention to who these guys are. And I'm voting I'm voting my conscience. I'm voting who who has a chance to actually. It doesn't matter who wins the primary, other than if they can't if they can't win in the in the in the uh, in the general election in, in November, and Cox has no chance against uh, none, none, because he's got no personality, he's got no no drive, no energy. He's got no fire, and I mean, we we call him low energy Cox for a reason, right? There was a, a Redlands Tea Party debate that I was at, and I, I you know won the straw poll, something like ninety percent uh, to to whatever he got, like five percent or something like this. And the question came up, you know, can you guys stick around for some extra questions? It was about nine thirty at night. And, you know, John Cox says, well, you know, God, I, I got an interview at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I got to drive. And, you know, I said, look, guys, I got an interview at 6 a.m. I got one at 6.30. I got something else at 7.30. I will stay here until the last one of you is gone, and I'll answer any question anybody's got. And that's what tells the whole story. You know, you got, you got a tired old guy that's angry from Chicago that's never won a race in his life versus somebody that's on fire for California. Look, it is not about the top two. It is about becoming the next governor of the state of California because the view from second place never changes. And it's not pretty. We got to win in California. This is, you know, this is not about a good show. This is not about Congress. This is about the governor's seat of California. When we get a Republican governor in California, a rock solid conservative that can actually reverse the illegal sanctuary state, secure the border and build that wall, bring voter ID to California and defund that high speed rail of Jerry Brown. I'll tell you, we turn this state red. When we get a Republican governor in California, we keep the White House for a generation. You know, it's funny because I saw the clip you're referring to, and I think you should make a commercial out of that. Um, I do, uh, I do want to ask you one thing, and this is something I haven't heard. I haven't heard you address, and I don't hear a lot of politicians address it. I'm a small business owner. I have about 20 employees, and one of the, in my opinion, one of the dumbest things that Sacramento ever did, and they did this without obviously letting the public vote on it, but was raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which is going to create an unbelievable burden on small businesses across the state. I mean, it's going to be catastrophic as this thing slowly gets implemented uh, i'd like to know your take on this i mean i think it's it's horrible and one of the things that schwarzenegger did do is he prevented them from raising the minimum wage but we're talking a 50 percent increase or, or you know tens of thousands in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars that's going to be taken you know that, that's going to impact small businesses which is really the lifeblood of the state i mean without small businesses in this state there's no cops there's no firefighters no teachers i'd like your take on the minimum wage of 15 dollars an hour yeah, yeah. So look, I, I'm a business owner, right? I opened up my own company in 2001. I still run it every single day. Don't just think about the business. Think about the actual workers because, yeah, I'm a business owner, but you know what? 
I started out delivering newspapers in San Diego when I was a kid at 11 years old, right? I did every odd job you can imagine. I was a waiter for, you know, five years in 10 different restaurants. Um, you know, I've washed dishes. I've been a mover. You know, any kind of odd job you can imagine as I was going through school, I did. And why did these people give me those jobs? Not because they thought I was going to be spectacular as like an 11 or 16 or 18-year-old kid. It was because it didn't cost them much money to give me a shot. If you had to start paying somebody 15 bucks an hour with, you know, all of the stuff that adds on top of that, you know, workers' comp and, and all the other taxes, you're talking like 22 bucks an hour for the employer. Are you really going to take a flyer on a high school kid? Are you going to give somebody a chance to get into the workforce? The answer is not just no, it's heck no. You know, because you take a look, somebody making $15 an hour, that's like 30 grand a year. And, and that is no longer an entry-level job. So if you're a small business owner, you say, wait a second, I can't afford to hire another person. If you're somebody looking to get into the workforce or get that second job, that job's not going to be there because nobody wants to give you the chance to actually work for that kind of money. And, and what this is going to lead to is it's going to lead to, you know, mechanical stuff at, at, uh, at uh, McDonald's flipping burgers because they can't afford to pay people minimum wage and keep their prices low. It's going to be disastrous for California. This is yet another reason that businesses are leaving California for other states. We've lost 243,000 Californians over the last seven years in California. They took $8 billion with them. And that's on balance. That means 243,000 more people left than came in. And they're leaving for reasons like this. So we've already been ranked 50 out of 50 in terms of worst places to run a business in the country. This only makes it even worse. And by the way, as we're talking, I just got Mexican food at a great Mexican restaurant up here in the capital called Taqueria Maya. I'll tell you right now, if it wasn't for, for tacos and Mexican food, I'd probably starve on the campaign trail. But I can guarantee you that a bunch of their workers are, are getting paid minimum wage. And that's fantastic because you know what? They're probably working one or two jobs. They're probably going to school. They're probably doing a lot of other things. Without minimum wage, we can't all go out to restaurants, get the food that we want. These people can't get the jobs they want, and these companies can't keep their doors open. So we need a minimum wage. Of course we do, but it doesn't need to be 15 bucks an hour. That's crazy, and it's going to cost everything more for everything that we buy. It's going to mean businesses hire less people, and it's going to mean people that need jobs aren't going to be able to get jobs. Yeah, I, uh, along the line of the fast food thing, I drove through uh, McDonald's in Moreno Valley uh, with my grandkids uh, last weekend. They, I want Happy Meals, Grandpa. So we drove through there. And, you know, when I grew up, you went into went into McDonald's during the weekend, and there's high school kids, all, you know, pimply-faced high school kids flipping burgers, working the counters. I didn't see any high school kids in that in that restaurant on uh, on Sunday afternoon. All I saw were adults. I don't know what's going on with the millennials today or whatever they call the the young kids today. Nobody wants to work. Yep. Yep, that's right. And, and you think about this, too. You know, the, the pitch that California Democrats want to make is that somebody uses a minimum wage job to pay all their bills. And the facts actually don't support that. The fact is, is that everybody works a minimum wage job. I don't care what kind of household you come from, unless you're, you know, extremely wealthy. This is everybody's first job. I mean, everybody was always a kid at one point, And somebody had to take a chance on you. You didn't know anything. You were probably going to show up late to work. You're probably going to be hung over a couple of days. But you know what? You got paid minimum wage. So somebody's willing to take a chance on you. That's what we need in California. It needs to be sensible. But, you know, when it's 11, 11 bucks an hour or something like this, 11, 12 bucks an hour, that's a great place to start. You can always get raises. You can always go find another job, which we've all done. But it's got to be at a sensible level where people can actually afford to hire people and then give people like us, you know, when we're growing up, that opportunity to get out there and get in the workforce. 
Okay, so uh, all along you've advocated for repealing uh, Jerry Brown's gas tax, fixing our roads, and no new taxes, repairing the state education system, getting rid of the d- disastrous sanctuary state policy, uh, creating all the all the water storage. Um, if Republicans vote for you on Tuesday and you beat Gavin Newsom in November, tell us the first three things you'll do as governor of California. Absolutely. So in my first 100 days in office, I will reverse the illegal sanctuary state. The way we do this is we have to call a special election, put on the ballot for the people of California. So I'll go up and down the state, gather the signatures to, to put that on the ballot so we can all vote to reverse the illegal sanctuary state. Number two, we're going to implement voter ID in California. Look, I got to use my driver's license to go through the airport, to go to the grocery store, you know, to do everything in life, to cash a check. Why shouldn't we have to have an ID when we vote? This is our right as California citizens. And by the way, not only did I vote against illegal driver's licenses, this is something that we got to stop in California. You only get a driver's license if you're a California citizen. So voter ID gets rid of the election fraud, and that's how we flip the state and turn it Republican again. And then the last thing is in my very first budget as California's next governor, we're going to line item veto that high-speed rail into oblivion. That thing is going to be gone. We're going to return all the money back to the California taxpayers, And I don't know if you heard me say this, but there is a bridge in the middle of Central Valley. Everybody's seen it. It's the the one piece of the high-speed rail that was completed. And all it is is an empty bridge in the middle of an empty field in in the Central Valley. I'm going to keep that. And we're going to hang a sign on it so nobody ever forgets. And the sign's going to read, Jerry Brown's Legacy. Because this is all this guy ever did. And by the way, that was my that was my first hundred days in office. On day one, we will have already repealed the gas tax because that's going to be on your ballot in November. I'm the original author of the gas tax repeal, so that will be done on day one. You know, and you you brought up the sanctuary state thing, and obviously for you to win, you will have to swing over some Democrat voters. And it's interesting because my sister has been a lifelong Democrat, voted for Obama twice, but actually voted for Trump in the last election, to my great surprise uh, and delight. But I asked her, I said, "What, what made you switch for Trump? And she said, you know what, it's because he was telling it like it was on immigration. So really, the sanctuary state thing is a thing that a lot of Democrats are definitely not happy about. And it's something that I think if you drive that message home, I think that's that's one of the winning messages that's going to that's going to get you across the finish line come November. Look, without a doubt, I mean, think about this. When you leave your house in the morning, you lock your front door. When you leave your car, you lock your car. Why wouldn't you secure your border so you know who's coming into the country? Look, anybody's welcome to come in as long as they've got a clean record and they have good intentions. But you've got to come in the front door the right way. I was just on the border. We did a border rally last weekend in San Diego about a block from the border. And, you know, you see the – and I grew up in Chula Vista, five minutes from the border. So, I, I mean, I know intimately what I'm talking about. There is no way you would not want a wall on that border. There's no way you would not want to secure that border. It is our right. We are a sovereign nation. As the next governor of the state of California, not only are we going to build that wall and have National Guard there, but we are going to enforce federal immigration law. And just for a moment, let me talk about this illegal sanctuary state. The media wants to always try to confuse people, and they want to try to confuse – immigrants and illegal immigrants. There's a very big difference. And there's a very big difference also with this sanctuary state. The sanctuary state is the concept that someone that came here illegally, that has committed crimes while they are here in California, will now be sheltered with your taxpayer dollars. That is completely wrong. This is the story of Kate Steinle, who's walking down the, the pier with her father in San Francisco. They had done nothing wrong. She got shot in the back by a guy who had already been deported five times and was a seven-time felon, and he was released just months earlier because of Gavin Newsom's sanctuary city policies. If that guy had never been released, 
Kate Steinle would still be alive today. And I'll tell you right now, one Kate Steinle tragedy is one too many. We will reverse this illegal sanctuary state. And it's not just Republicans that believe that. It's Republicans, it's Democrats, it's Latinos, it's everybody. Because everybody knows you don't want to shelter criminals with your taxpayer dollars in your communities. Travis, we got a little, roughly about a minute left. Uh, I've been asked the question, and I didn't know the answer. Are you pro-life? I'd like you to answer that question. Absolutely, 100%. I'm the only candidate in the, in the race with a rock-solid pro-life voting record. Look, you know, this other guy, John Cox, whenever he votes, he votes for pro-choice candidates. And then, he, you know, he, all the rest he has are words. I have actual actions. I get a 0% from Planned Parenthood, you know, in 13, 15, and 17. By the way, they gave me a 67% in 2016 because I voted for tax-free tampons. Um, last I checked, that has nothing to do with, with being pro-life. I figure the Democrats want to make anything tax-free in California, you know, be my guest. But, yeah, I am absolutely 100% pro-life. Uh, I say it in almost every single one of my speeches. Um, and, you know, all of the information is out there. All my vote records are out there. I think that not only should we defund Planned Parenthood at the federal level, we should defund Planned Parenthood at the state level. And we must end this abominable practice of selling fetal baby parts. It is, I mean, it's just, it, it, there's no words. It, it's disgusting. we got to stop that entirely in California. And not a dime of taxpayer money should ever go to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, uh, Travis, we're all out, we're all out of time. Hey, we're rooting for you, buddy. We're uh, we're out there, and uh, if you can, if you clear second place on Tuesday, we'll do we'll do some big fundraisers for you because we'll get all behind you and make sure that uh, that you're in the governor's mansion in November. I love it, brother. It's not an if; it's a win. Look, if you if you can hear us and you're in Riverside, come on down to Riverside City Hall on Tuesday morning at five thirty. I'm sorry, Tuesday morning at seven thirty. Uh, Riverside City Hall. Find the event on Facebook at Join Travis Allen or JoinTravisAllen.com. But get out there and vote, and let's go take back our state. My name's Travis Allen. Let's take back California. Yeah, we're all we're all about that, folks. We're out of time for part one. We'll be right back in five minutes for part two of the main event. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Hey, don't talk about uh, mortgages or finance on the air very often uh, because uh, you guys find it boring. Or, uh, I don't know, if you're, not, uh, if you're not in the market for it, maybe you just uh, tune out. So I don't talk about it very much. But that's what I do. Nobody's better. Nobody does them faster. Nobody does them better. And no one will give you better advice. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, if you need to refinance your house, if you want to get one of them reverse mortgage things, if you want to just, hey, you know, that reverse mortgage thing, I don't know much about it, but apparently uh, I should learn some more. Uh, if you want to get some straight talk or if you want to buy a house, uh, any any of that stuff, you need real estate financing, call me, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, 855-640-2020. And uh, before we go further, let me uh, remind everybody that in the, in the studio with me today is my buddy Scott McAfee, owner of Don's Bikes in Redlands and Rialto, one of the top 100 bike shops in the country. Scotty? Yo, 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 Ed. Here we are. That was a good. That was a good interview in the first half. With, that was. That uh, was a lot of fun, actually. We need to make sure that everybody goes to the polls on Tuesday. You know, I, I really get mad about the early voting. I think who came up with that idea? Hey, it makes it convenient for everybody. The problem it makes it more expensive for all the candidates to get their message out because if you don't, if you're not a gazillionaire, 
you can't afford to be running commercials and all the all the radio commercials and all the TV commercials too early in the process. And so I say, hey, you know, you, you're voting based on where you see the polls are, what you think, if you're uh, whether your uh, candidate has a chance. And then by the time that you get to the election day, maybe things have changed. No, you're right. What you're saying is early voting can actually impact the election itself. So maybe we shouldn't have it. Just everybody's got to get off their couch and go vote. Exactly. I think everybody should vote on election day. I know it's going to make the lines longer, but or maybe have early voting for the last week, but not for the last freaking month. That's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I had to talk some people off the, well, you know what? Uh, uh, Trump uh, endorsed Cox. Well, Trump does You know, Trump endorsed uh, the guy in uh, Alabama was... Uh, I can't remember his name now. I forgot the name when the door shut. Um, but he lost, and he endorsed some guy in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. I know he's going out there and talking. He talks about himself, and then he endorses the guy. He says, this guy's a real good person. You can tell he doesn't know who the hell this guy is. The people showed up not to support the candidate. They wanted to see Trump. It was was it Le- Luther Strange? Was that who he endorsed? Luther Strange was the first guy. That he endorsed, and he lost. And then uh, he lost to uh, who is the candidate with the uh, with all those problems with all the problems with the uh, young girls when he was thirty. Yep, he's thirty and he's he's uh, soliciting girls that are uh, eighteen. So last uh, last I heard, girls that are sixteen are trying to prove to people they're for, they're they're eighteen or twenty. And uh, I don't know. I just see, remember a scene from uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that plays good on the TV, but not on the where uh, John Candy is selling the 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 shower curtain rings as earrings and he said oh man these to make you look older you could even pass for like 18 in these 13 14 year old girls hand their five dollars out to buy these these earrings that are really shower curtain rings <laughs> you you could pass That's for actually 18. not a bad idea i mean to me that tells me hey this is this is how this is how women are when they're uh, when they're in their teens and you women that are going how could you say that I'm not going to listen to your show anymore. Hey, remember when you were back when you were 15, 16, you're doing the same thing. And if you say no, you're lying. You're all putting shower curtain rings in your ears. Exactly. You're all you you all wish you had shower curtain rings to put in your ears. <laughs> so, uh we haven't had a chance to talk about much of anything that's going on except for uh Travis and uh to me, to me that's the most important uh election, the most important race coming up on Tuesday because uh a lot of the other the other ones, Asia Smith. Hey, vote for Asia Smith in uh, in the District Forty One for Congress, and vote for Bill Saley for uh, Assembly, whatever uh, uh, area that is in Corona and uh, Corona Norco Harupa Valley and uh, Lake Elsinore. And uh, who else? Who else are the there? But they're in they're in uh, single candidate races, so um, they're going to be in the they're going to be in the, the November election regardless. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, Travis Allen's really the only hope that California has. So Godspeed, Travis Allen. Get out there and vote, please. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, uh, week out and go for John Cox just because I think he can win. Because I don't think he can win in November. No matter who, no, no matter who else, if it's Gavin Newsom or Antonio Villaraigosa or any of those other moron Democrats over there, I don't think, I don't think John Cox can win against any of them. Um, I think Travis Allen can, and uh, quite frankly, I like the guy. Um, so anyway, let's talk about what's going on. So uh, what happened this week? On Wednesday, President Trump signed the Right to Try Act, where it gives terminally ill patients the right to try experimental treatments that are not approved by the FDA. Uh, essentially, essentially, these these drugs are, are approved. They've gone through stage one of the FDA, which says 
it's safe. Now, whether it works or not, the FDA hasn't 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 uh, come up to any conclusions. And so, hey, hey, we think they might work, but you know, they might need another uh, you know ten years of trials or something like that um, before they know for sure before they can put it out as drugs. You know, what? if you're dying and you've got six months or six years to live, you don't have time to wait fifteen years while they figure out whether it works or not. They got it to the first stage. It must have had something going on for it. And if the FDA says it says it's safe, let these people try it. Uh, surprisingly, only uh, 22 out of 200 uh, Congress people, Democrats, voted for it. Um, I just don't see. You know what? What is what is the Democrats? What's their uh, what is their what is their base? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that the conclusion that I've come to is Democrats cannot support Trump, even for something as common sense as this. They just can't. And, and the reason is they can't hand Trump any kind of victories because their their reelection depends upon support from the Democrat Party. So if they were to buck their own and vote with Trump on any issue, even things that just obviously make so much sense like like this, then then they're not going to be reelected. I mean, it's it's just one big cycle. Yeah, it doesn't matter if he uh, if he said, hey, you know what? Uh uh, we're introducing uh, ice cream that doesn't have calories or any uh, uh, any any uh, any uh, negative health effects, and you can eat ice cream forever and never gain a pound. They'd vote against it. You know, if they're uh, hey, we got the cure for cancer. Uh, no, vote against it. We, we, that's not that's not good for our economy because uh, we make a lot of money on on cancer stuff. Here's uh, here's Trump. Here's Trump's comments on Wednesday. Tuesday. Some of these treatments are so promising. And we're moving that timeline way up anyway, beyond this. We're moving it way up. But it's still a process that takes years. Now it takes up to 15 years, even 20 years some of these treatments are going. But for many years, patients, advocates, and lawmakers have fought for this fundamental freedom. And as I said, incredibly, they couldn't get it. And there were reasons. A lot of it was business. A lot of it was pharmaceuticals. A lot of it was insurance. A lot of it was liability. I said, so you take care of that stuff. And that's what we did. Today, I'm proud to keep another promise to the American people as I sign the right to try legislation into law. You know what? I had a uh, I had a friend who uh, lost his uh, lost his his wife about three years ago and uh she was she had cancer and um uh, and my friend was doing all kinds of research on the internet and apparently there's something called laetril that we used to use in the united states but they banned it and apparently it works works sometimes and uh he was buying stuff over the internet from, from outside the country to uh to have his wife work and apparently she started to have some remission when she's using it but she was trying to hide it from her customers because she's a uh, hairdresser and had her own shop. And apparently it requires that you eat certain things at certain times and drink these things at certain times. And she couldn't she couldn't hide it and she, she didn't stay with it. And uh, but in his research, he said that, you know what, there's a there's a, a big money machine called cancer and there's a big uh, resistance to find a cure and uh, that uh, because that's such big business, there's so much money in treating cancer and all the drug companies and everything that goes with it that uh, no one really wants to cure cancer. So that's why they outlawed Laetril. And I don't know that I don't know anything about Laetril or whether whether it works or not. But um, it was it was eye opening because uh, I also uh, listened to my wife talk about how 
Uh, she lost her daughter at 13 years old. Um, and before I, before I knew her and, uh, she lost her daughter to a neuroblastoma and she said, Hey, what they treated, treated her daughter with 30 years ago versus, um, versus what they're doing today. There's no difference. You're spending all this money on cancer research and it's not going anywhere, you know, and maybe they're making some progress, but it's, it's insignificant. So it seems, and it's hard to think with all the technological things that are going, how we progress in every other area that we're not getting we're not getting closer to a cure in all these years and all this money and all these gazillions of dollars because nobody wants to stop the money from coming in. No, you're you're absolutely right, and everybody knows somebody that has dealt with a life threatening illness. I lost my sister in law uh, to breast cancer, and I remember when we actually got that diagnosis, and it was stage four at the time. They gave her about what did they give her like a year to live, I think, and she didn't even make it a year. Um, and you know, when we asked about different types of treatments, it was like, well, it's just it's chemo and it's it's radiation, and then, I mean, chemotherapy is just putting poison into your body is what it's doing and and hopefully you don't poison the patient in a process but it it wrecks your system and i i think my god is this all we've got it doesn't seem like like you said that the treatments for these things hasn't really progressed all that much and and when you talk about democrats not voting for this kind of stuff look the bottom line is people's I, look i realize you want to get reelected i get that but people's lives are on the line people's lives depend on this stuff and i realize it's not a simple you know it's it's a complicated issue there's a lot of factors you don't want to give people treatment that could potentially kill them or make them worse but in a case like my sister-in-law you know we talked i said what about diet what about this he goes now he goes we don't do any of that it's like this guy wasn't open to any other forms of treatment other than chemo and radiation that's all he knew and to me it's like god if i was in his shoes i would at least want to know what else is out there that conceivably could, could save this person's life yeah the uh the advantage to american medicine is is people that try new things is American Originals as uh, you know? I watched a Prager video the other day about American Originals, and it was talking about Walt Disney, but you know, and and talking about some of the American Originals that try stuff that you know, like Steve Jobs said, "Hey, the people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the people that do." And there's people in the medical field that can change the world, but the government red tape gets in the way. And hey, you know what? I, I invented this. I invented the cure for cancer. And I'll never see it work in my lifetime because it's going to take the FDA 25 years to to uh, approve it to, to go help people when it could be helping people right now. Right. It's one more reason to like keep the government the hell out of as many things as you possibly can, in- including doctors and health care. That, that's not what the purpose of government is, in my opinion. Nope. Mine either. And I think uh, I saw a, uh, a documentary. I don't remember if it was on HBO or one of the cable stations uh, a year or two ago about how they're, uh, they're treating leukemia. Or uh, brain tumors or something, and they were injecting HIV virus into people that were terminal. They were done. They were within a within a few days or a few weeks of being dead, and they you know, they tried it on this uh, this young girl, and very quickly the 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 virus got into her body, and she her 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 uh, temperature went up really crazy high, and you know she sweated out for she was in a coma for about a week, and she came out and. Tumor free. That's unbelievable. And it's like, and they and they went through, you know, three or four people and say, this is the kind of research that's being done, but it can never get taken care. You know, some of your some of your loved ones might be alive today that have passed had we had access to this. And Trump just said, hey, here's the right to try. Doesn't mean the insurance companies are going to cover it, 
But I would think that the people that are inventing this, hey, let's try it on you. That's going to help it get get past quicker. So I would think it would be less expensive. I don't, you know, I don't, I know there's going to, like what he said, business and insurance and money and all that stuff. But let's let's make it legal to where they can do it rather than going to to Mexico or some other some other uh, countries where maybe they have it, maybe they don't. But you can at least you can at least try it if they have it. So anyway, that's uh that's some more some more evidence that the Democrats just don't seem to you know they only care about their jobs they don't care about Americans and one of the things that I, I I see here people hate Trump more than they love the United States and it's just it's just sad um so let's let's uh let's go on to the next thing uh is it do a die on DACA Cory Gardner the leader of the state Republicans uh campaign arm the Senate Republicans campaign arm delivered an urgent message to tre- President Trump in a phone conversation Congress and the White House need to act on immigration reform immediately or there will be a blue wave for Democrats in the midterm elections. The sweet spot for getting an immigration deal remains now, Gardner said. The closer we get to election and certainly post-election, the more difficult it will be. Um, says who, Cory Gardner? For one thing, he needs to recognize the fact that Trump was elected by Democrats in swing states largely on the immigration issue. So who says that there's a big a big need to get this done now? And obviously, by immigration, anytime you and I hear the word immigration reform, right, we don't think a wall, do we, Ed? Uh, I don't think they think of wall. No, they're not talking. Why didn't you just say they're not talking about a wall? They're talking about amnesty effectively. Exactly. And we don't want that. And you know what? And, I, and I'm cool if they want to do something for the DACA people, I'm cool if they want to do make a deal, but it has to come with the wall, just like Trump said. Because you know what? If we don't, if we pass something to give the DACA people some relief, what what uh, Obama did to say, hey, we're going to let you stay here legally, and and whatever whatever hoops we make you jump before you can ever get a ever get to become citizens. Um, once that happens. If we don't have a wall, you're going to have all kinds of people coming across the border to where we don't have enough border patrol or national guard to stop it. We have to put the wall up. Wall up first. There has to be that has to be a deal point. And if that's the case, if he if he rephrased this, said, "Hey, it's do or die," but we have to do this before the election. It's going to be do or die on the wall. I would kind of agree on that because we don't know if we're going to have control of the of the Congress or Senate um, after the election. Well, that's a good point, but you know, I would still argue that we're not going to do, we shouldn't do what Reagan did, and that's pass some kind of amnesty, basically, and, and not do anything about the border. The, build the wall first, and the amnesty can come later. Uh, I realize maybe there's not enough time between now and November to get a wall built. Well, if we really wanted it built, we'd get it built, wouldn't we, Ed? Uh, yeah, and and if we really want it, we get we come up with the money. The um, But I think what they need to do is say, hey, let's delay anything permanent on DACA, Appropriate the wall. This is one of the things that uh, Chuck Schumer said at the last uh, battle over uh, over uh, the government shutdown. Hey, we gave him the wall. We gave him the wall. The wall's already approved. The wall's already been approved for years. The question is, is has it been appropriated? And so he said, Hey, we gave him approval for the wall. You know, hey, I won't. You won't take yes for an answer. We said yes, you can have it, but we want this. Hey, he didn't say they would appropriate it. They said they would approve it. It's already been approved. So that needs to be appropriated into the budget. So, hey, the money's there. Let's move forward with it. And then it's done. Then it's done. All, all The only thing left to do is build it. And uh, so that's what needs, needs to be done. I think they need to get some kind of a deal. Hey, this is a temporary bill until the uh, until the wall – here's the walls appropriated. And here's your temporary bill that, uh, that takes the DACA people away from being deported until the wall is built. And then after that, we can talk about – or something along those lines. It makes sense. I mean, and I think, and I think the time is now, given the given the uh, 
the elections that we don't know if we'll have control. Of course, we could probably uh, we could pro if we had a if we have a big enough a majority. Um, I guess if we if we lose the House and the Senate, we still got two more months. Yeah, I don't think we're going to lose that. I mean, I could be wrong, but you know, I don't want to jinx this thing. But I don't. I don't, I don't think, think we're, we're going to lose. We're gonna lose either. But no. I think I think with the we only have a one person majority in the Senate right now. Yeah, I think it's uh, John McCain doesn't really count, does he? Yeah, no. Well, no, that makes it even with. <laughs> yeah, if you take out John McCain. Right, we're pretty much even, Ed. Yeah. So uh, sorry. I think there's a uh, there's a problem because we lost uh, Jeff Sessions' spot, mm. the guy we were just talking about that we didn't that didn't win that Trump. Uh, endorsed yep. i guess that didn't work too good no okay so hey california don't forget uh scott and ed are are uh, endorsing travis allen we're not endorsing cox don't worry about what trump says because whoever trump endorses loses anyway unless you you could tell when he really knows who he's endorsing he doesn't know who he doesn't even know who john cox is he doesn't know what john cox looks like and he doesn't know what john cox is about he just uh got someone hey kevin mccarthy or somebody said oh yeah uh endorse john cox okay guess what Sorry, it's not important. Okay, so let's go out and talk about the next thing. Washington Post ran this story. Trump's zero tolerance at the border is causing child shelters to fill up fast. The numbers, the numbers, and this is what, they, this is what the uh, Washington Post said. The number of migrant children held in the U.S. government custody without their parents has surged 21% in the past month, an increase driven by the Trump administration's zero, zero tolerance crackdown on families who cross the border illegally. I think a zero, zero tolerance policy is pretty good on just about anybody that breaks any law. Under this approach, anyone who crosses the United States illegally, crosses into the United States illegally, will face criminal prosecution. I think that's good, too. That means parents who arrive with children stay in federal jails while their children are sent to uh, uh, health and human services shelters. Why is this a problem? Uh, I don't know. And by the way, what kind of parents send their kids off to another country unaccompanied? Uh, that's correct. But even... even uh, even uh, Mr. 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 Uh, I'm looking for the right uh, gutless. Our gutless attorney general said, "If you come into this into this country illegally, even if you have your kids, your kids may be separated from you, and uh, and we're having a zero tolerance policy at the border." Um, Unless you come in in a big caravan, and then you can come on in. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Um, so. So I think uh, I don't know why this is a big deal, and I don't know why why anybody thinks it's a problem. Hey, they're separating the kids. We didn't do it; they did it, not us. This week, people like Obama speechwriter John Favreau, no relationship to the movie star John Favreau, um, spelled exactly the same, but uh, it's not the same guy. And CNN reporter Hadas Gold tweeted a picture of two migrant migrant children. Lying on a mat behind a fence, they characterize as a cage in an HHS shelter. But the problem is the picture was taken during the surge of unaccompanied minors at the border in 2014 when Obama was president. Here's Kellyanne Conway confronting a CNN reporter at the White House. Why did a CNN reporter retweet that 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 false uh, fake tweet about the migrant children being in cages? Why I don't know what you're talking about, but I know you just said on Fox. No, no, excuse me. Your CNN colleague retweeted that two migrant children, I suppose, laying in a cage to make the point against this president. It happened under President Obama's watch and then deleted the tweet because it didn't fit the narrative. Do you or do you not care about the migrant children? 
Good job, Kellyanne. Yeah, no kidding. The fun, I'm looking at the picture right now. It's like a couple kids in what appears to be, they're lying on the ground in what appears to be like a dog kennel, uh, like chain link fence. And the fact that it was actually during Obama's administration was pretty hilarious. But I didn't hear much of a, much comments uh, from the reporter, Ed, too. It might be, might be, uh, might be just a, uh, you know, a timeout at a kindergarten. I <laughs> got their little mats on the ground. That's how it was when I was going. I know, me too. They put I you think, in the cage. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the cage exactly. Mm. We, the playground was the cage. But I grew up in Rialto, Ed. It was a little different. Yeah, I grew up in Lakewood. It was, yeah, it was, I don't think we had the cage. Okay. Seem, seemed more more family-oriented <laughs> than that. Okay, so we got a few minutes left. Let's talk yep. about uh, Roseanne. Mm-hmm. ABC canceled its reboot of Roseanne this week in response to a tweet by Roseanne Barr. Where she uh, she said Raleigh Dottie Dottie Muslim Brotherhood uh, Lottie Dottie Planet of the Apes um, somebody had a offspring and it equaled uh, Valerie Jarrett um, Valerie Jarrett for those of you that don't remember was uh, the, uh, Obama's uh, chief senior advisor basically she was the puppet master anything that Obama said uh, Valerie Jarrett okayed it and uh, they were uh, she was uh, she's just connected to every bad organization that you can think of from the Chicago Mafia days. And uh, quite frankly, uh, I never did like this lady much. Well, I can't imagine that, Ed. Uh, but I will say, you know, to me, like, obviously, you know, I, I enjoy a very well-crafted joke. And for me, this really wasn't a well-crafted joke. Um, you know, for one thing, Valerie Jarrett is, is not a Muslim. Um, and, you know, I, in terms of just, you know, it, it just it just seemed like something she just rambled off. Uh, the, the problem that I have is, is not so much with the joke, but the fact that the left can get away with saying just about anything. Uh, case in point, Samantha B, who calls the president's daughter a, and I can't use the word on the air, there's very few words that make the F word look good by comparison, but the C word is the one word that actually is worse than the F word. And Samantha B called the president's daughter the C word. And I'm thinking just, just in terms of if you want to see whether this could happen. Imagine somebody on the right calling Obama's daughters that or, or uh, Chelsea Clinton that. What would have happened? Exactly. It'd be, it, would be, it would be a freaking firestorm. And, it's, and it's, it's, okay. it's okay to insult people if you're a Democrat insulting a Republican or if you're black insulting a white or if you're Muslim insulting a Christian. It's not okay to insult the other way back. Everyone's offended. Oh, my God. I can't believe you said that. And it's, uh, you know, so they fired, they fired everybody on Roseanne. All these people lost their jobs. I thought we gave everybody a pass because they're comedians, i.e. Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg on The View that say some of the most vile things on ABC. How come that show hasn't been canceled? Bill Maher on HBO. Well, HBO on, on, uh, is on cable. But let's talk about CBS. Stephen Colbert says some pretty nasty stuff about the president and his family. And uh, then there's Jimmy Kimmel on NBC. They're all as vile as you can get. And they all get a pass. Kathy Griffin has been uh, held up after saying the vile stuff that she said after uh, after she got ridiculed for for uh, holding the severed head of uh, Donald Trump in that picture. Um, what can you say in 10 seconds? Well, in 10 seconds, you can say that the left can do it, but we can't, Ed, because the left owns the media, and that's the way it is for now. Yeah, apparently it is. So anyway, hey, we're all out of time for this episode of the main event. You guys, get off your butt early and go vote on Tuesday. Don't mail it in. Go to the polls and vote for Travis Allen and uh, exercise your uh, your uh, American rights to be a part of this uh, political system. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect views.
Reward policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate. Broker license number 01147747. And California Finance Lenders license number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 096199. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com <laughs> 